Welcome to the From the STEM Up podcast. My name is Adriana, and here we spark youth connections in STEM fields. Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to our seventh podcast episode for From the STEM Up. I am very excited to foster a community of youth in STEM, and I hope you are too. Today, we have a very unique episode, and we have an awesome guest who has accomplished so much. Hey, Anisha, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. So I'm Anisha Musty. I'm 15 years old and I'm from the greater New York City area. I My hobbies are developing in quantum computing and AI. I specialize in quantum machine learning and I have projects in that field. I My favorite school subject is obviously science. And a fun fact about me is that I play field hockey. Nice. I love field hockey too. Uh, it's pretty popular here um, in Canada as well. I just love the skirts they wear and it's just really fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's a nice sport. Yeah, so it's awesome. This is the first guest I had that's from New York, so I'm excited. Uh, What does STEM mean to you? To me, STEM is a way of solving problems and changing the world. And I know that's a vague definition, but I think that's genuinely what it is. I think technology is probably the best way to solve problems like AI, quantum computing, blockchain, all of these emerging technologies have the capability to solve problems that we've had for years and to solve new problems that other technologies are creating. And to me, STEM is just research in that field and finding a way to utilize those technologies. Yeah. And as you said, there's so many new emerging technologies that your program, TKS, uh, really highlights. And we'll talk about that after the break. But specifically, I know you are passionate about quantum computing. Can you give a short rundown about how quantum computers work? Sure. So a quantum computer is essentially a computer that runs classical algorithms on a computer using quantum mechanic properties. So for example, they solve something at an exponential rate as compared with the classical computer. It utilizes two quantum mechanics phenomenons called superposition and entanglement. I'll start with superposition. And superposition is basically the idea that in typical computer science, you have binary digits. So you have one or zero, and it's a string of those numbers. But in quantum computing, Under the phenomenon of superposition, you can have one and zero, so it's able to compute both at the same time, increasing computational power. And when you combine that with entanglement, it ties those qubits together, those two qubits that are in the state of one and zero, so you can do it even faster than it already was. Yeah. Uh, Actually, my next question was, how are quantum computers better than classical computers? But I think you uh, pretty much summed that up very well. How much more fast are quantum computers than classical computers? Yeah, so quantum computers aren't necessarily always faster. That's kind of like what they do, but it's more that quantum computers solve a different segment of problems that classical computers don't. So for they never really ever overlap. Like we're never going to have to get rid of classical computers. Quantum computers will never replace classical computers, and we're probably never going to have a quantum iPhone. But there's a whole section of problems that classical computers can't even 
dream of entering and that's what quantum computing is focusing on it's big factoring problems like trying to factor like 10 digit by prime numbers that's what quantum computers do and it's not by faster it's just something that a classical computer doesn't even have the capacity to do ah okay that makes more sense so what is your favorite quantum phenomenon that you know and why my favorite quantum phenomenon i definitely have to go with entanglement I just think it's so interesting and amazing to see. I mean, I've never seen it, but I've seen some studies and read about it, and it just seems so amazing. It's basically if you're at opposite ends of the world and you look at when you measure one of your qubits anywhere else in the world, the entangled qubit just collapses at the same time. And there's no tie between them except just the laws of quantum physics. And no one really knows why. But which is why Einstein actually named it spooky action at a distance. Because once these qubits come into play together, they're entangled and they can operate in conjunction universes apart. Okay, that's just taking a little bit of time for my brain to wrap around. But yeah, yeah quantum computing, I think great. it's like a field you can't really completely understand. Yeah, there's actually a Richard Feynman quote that says, if you think you understand quantum mechanics, you don't. Mm-hmm. So I know you're super uh, interested in this, and it's really great because um, I don't really know many of you. Think, I think like you're the first person I know that is actually involved in quantum computing and quantum mechanics. So I know it's a big question, but what are your future career goals? Um, I definitely want to pursue entrepreneurship. I want to work in tech startups and hopefully that could be one that is quantum computing, but I probably, I want to start my own tech company and I want to grow that to be really big. We'll see how far that goes. And then hopefully that's what I'd be doing. Yo, let's hope that goes to Silicon Valley in the future. Yeah, for sure. All right. So with that, we're going to go into the break and after that, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into what makes Anisha so special. And I hope you guys enjoy the break. Hey, guys, I just wanted to pop into the break a little bit, along with Anisha's uh, organization that she's going to mention after this break. There's another um, program hosted by the University of Waterloo called QCSIS, which stands for Quantum Cryptography School for Young Students. And this is a program that I'm actually going to participate in. And basically, it's a program for high school students. So for grade 11 and 12, with some exceptions of grade 10, usually around 44 students without COVID-19 would participate at this program. And at this program, you would meet many quantum researchers and physicists from around the world. You'll gain hands-on experiences and even look at real quantum computers. You would stay at UW campus, which is a world-renowned campus that has an Institute for Quantum Computing, or IQC, and it's amazing. If you're interested in quantum computing or quantum cryptography, I would sign up for that. If the applications are still open, go search up QCSYS online and you'll be able to find the application process there. And good luck with that. All right. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that little break. For this next segment, I wanted to switch gears as always and talk a little bit about TKS and your involvements in this program, Anisha. So what does it entail and how has it shaped you? So TKS is a human accelerator program. It's basically Y Combinator for teens. It teaches you how to think like a CEO and how to become successful on a level that most teens aren't. And for me, I think it really introduced me to the gravity that all of these technologies play 
in solving world problems. And it kind of put me on the path to, oh, I should really learn this. Nice. So is it only available in certain places or is it available online as well? So we, I think we're currently in six cities, but this year they're expanding to three more. And I think they're also have, they also have an online program. Nice. So if you guys are interested, you can check it out. Do you know if like registrations are still open? I'm not sure, but I think it's definitely something that should be on your radar for this year and next year. Yeah. So who can join? Like what age group? So it's basically people from 13 to 18. So probably it's high schoolers and sometimes you're like last year of middle school type people. And anyone that goes through the application process that demonstrates a really big interest in STEM, someone who's ambitious and wants to change the world, basically. Yeah. So through TKS, what kind of things have you done? So through TKS, I kind of got my start in quantum computing. They just, it helped me learn which technology I wanted to go forward with. And then from there, I started my own independent research and created my own projects. Nice. And I just want to delve a little bit deeper into your journey with quantum technologies. Do you want to list some of the projects you've been doing? Yeah, sure. So I've replicated a bunch of current algorithms like Shor's algorithm. I've replicated Grover's algorithm. But something that I really am passionate about is an algorithm I used using quantum machine learning, so QC and AI. And it's an algorithm that can detect Parkinson's disease based upon someone's voice. So a person would speak and it can extract data from that person's voice and then it runs it in a quantum support vector machine to classify it into whether or not the person has or doesn't have the disease. Ah, that's really awesome. And um, what kind of technologies or languages do you use to do that? So there's actually a lot of ways to code in QC and AI, but I chose to go the route of combining a bunch of different libraries. So I coded in Qiskit, I used Scikit and I used NumPy. I put all of them together and I coded an algorithm. Nice. Yeah. I think I think uh, you have a lot of great experience in quantum computing. Um, and tell me about your organization, Qmunity. And for you guys listeners, it's it's uh, it's spelled with a Q with and a dash and then Unity, uh, which is yeah. pretty pretty neat. And then. Uh, could you tell me your inspiration behind it and what kind of programs this organization offers? Sure. So Community is a organization, an organization that aims to teach quantum computing to people of any age, anywhere. So we're global and we're trying to make the quantum computing air field a lot bigger and more prevalent. The way that it started was honestly kind of an accident. We didn't really mean to start on purpose. We were just, me and a couple of friends were at a quantum computing conference. And I remember I was watching a TED talk a couple of days ago, something that just came out about quantum computing. And I saw this guy across the room who was in the TED talk and I felt kind of starstruck. And I was like, I really feel like I should go talk to this guy. So we approached him and he was actually really taken aback. And he was surprised that high schoolers actually found his TED talk and his work so interesting. So he introduced us to a colleague of his who, and they both work at IBM. And from there, we actually hosted a hackathon with IBM 
unfor- well, planned a hackathon. It got canceled because of the coronavirus. But after the hackathon got canceled, all of us were just like, we had so many people reaching out to us about their interest in quantum computing and how they were so excited to attend the hackathon that we thought it would be unfair. And we were just really wanted to continue spreading the initiative past just one event. So that's where community really took off. And now we host workshops, we have a summer camp, and we have a bunch of different initiatives that we're excited to talk about. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit more about the summer camp you guys are doing? Yeah, so we're hosting a summer camp called Cubes Camp. It's it's an amazingly valuable experience. It's $200 for two weeks. And we have three amazing instructors from Oxford, UC Berkeley, Dartmouth, MIT, Harvard, all of these places. And they're so brilliant and they're willing to teach for such a low cost. And they teach you how the basics of quantum computing, they teach you how to actually code algorithms. And by the end of the course, you're actually going to have to be able to create an algorithm on your own. And that's from zero experience. All you need in the beginning is just knowing how to add, multiply, subtract, and divide. That's it. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have community website linked down below for you guys if you want to check out their future endeavors. And you're very interested in tech entrepreneurship. So where do you see community in the future? Do you, do you see this as the next big thing? For sure. We definitely want to be the number one resource for any person looking to learn quantum computing and we want to make sure that people can come to us at any time and they can leave knowing more than they started with and i think that's something really important because even if we can't make everybody an expert in the field just spreading awareness and making sure that everyone has an idea of what the technology is and knows that it's not as complicated as the media makes it seem yeah and i actually don't really know any uh, organization like this that that specifically deals with learning quantum computing as much as there are organizations for things like Python and Scratch, but no one really thinks about the power of quantum computers and um, its potential in the future. So this is a really great organization and I, and I hope it expands in the future. Okay, thank you. So what advice would you give to our listeners who want to get started with quantum computing but don't know where to start? And this is also a great question for me because I'm actually really curious right now. So for sure, go on community's website, sign up for workshops if you can, sign up for the summer camp, all amazing opportunities, and I guarantee you will learn a lot. We're releasing more initiative, releasing some videos soon that will get you started, and that's pretty much our job is we just tried to make it a place where people can go with zero knowledge and leave with a little more. But other than that, I would recommend going through the Kiskit textbook, I would recommend reading some basic articles. I know on Medium, there's a lot of writers who have like less PhD level experience who are just talking about the basics of quantum computing. And I think those can just be really valuable. Just beginning to read about it, learning the basics of superposition, entanglement, and kind of finding your own path. It's a little harder because quantum computing, the path hasn't really been written out that much. The path is just, oh, go to grad school get your PhD. But as a high schooler or as a student, you have to pave your own way. And do you think quantum computing should be introduced in school curriculums? I definitely think so. In fact, there's actually no undergraduate programs for quantum computing, like in the world. It's just graduate and PhD level type classes. But I definitely think it should be introduced earlier because we want people to choose the path that they want earlier in life. If we're introducing it to people in in their undergraduate program, they've most likely already 
thought of the path that they're going to take. And very few people actually end up switching that path once they learn about this new technology, as intriguing as it might seem. And as a result of that, we have way less people working in quantum computing than there should be. Introducing it earlier allows people to grasp interest in the field a lot before like they even start choosing what they're going to do for the rest of their life. And um, I see it as something that will be mainstream in maybe 10 or 15 years, but I agree that it should be implemented a little bit earlier as a newer undergraduate program, or at least offered as um, undergraduate courses. And I love how things like community are introducing it even earlier uh, to high school students, which is really, really great. Do you, do you think that quantum computing will always be the next big thing? Or do you think something else will replace it in a way? I think every technology has its own niche area that it's going to solve. I think quantum computing solves different problems than AI is going to solve. I think quantum computing is going to solve different problems than gene editing and CRISPR type technologies are going to solve. But I also think that quantum computing is a really big thing, but it's a lot more far off than people realize in terms of real world applications and uses. Because there's still a lot of scientific work that needs to be done to reduce error on these qubits that I was talking about. Because there's a lot of outside environmental factors that interfere with their computational ability. And once we get that, quantum computing can actually become mainstream. It can become like genuinely solving all these problems that quote unquote the hype talks about it should be able to do. So by the next big thing, I think it will come in the future, but there's definitely other things that will appear in the time in between and solve their own sectors of problems. Yeah, I've, I've even heard about things like DNA computing already, um, and it does have its setbacks as well. It is pretty slow. But yeah. So you don't think that quantum computing is going to replace classical computers for the time being? Yeah, I don't think that's the goal of most quantum computing researchers, and I think the way that quantum computing is is that they're solving a different area of problems that classical computers don't. It's not necessarily a replacement, it's a supplement. Mm -hmm. So finally, I know you're a very involved and accomplished uh, individual. What are some time management and productivity tips that you can give our listeners? Yeah, so time management has always been a big one for me. I think one thing that I think was really the hardest for me was just waking up early and not stopping sleeping in and going to bed late. Because I don't know, a lot of people just once you hit like the 10 o'clock mark, no one's really productive anymore. Like I remember I'm like, oh yeah, I have to finish this. And it's like 12 o'clock and something that would normally take me 30 minutes takes me two hours. And at that point, what I've been learning to do is I'm like, I'm just cutting myself off. I'm going to be like, Anisha, 11 o'clock, go to bed. I wake up (laughs) early and try to finish it because I realize that I'm more productive once I've gotten my sleep. And like, I think so for those people who have done that, you can start implementing other things, but this is building the foundation. Other things that you can do is I like time blocking. So I go on Google Calendar and I set out three hours I'm going to be doing my school homework, two hours I'm going to be doing some quantum research. I have a meeting for community for 30 minutes here. And then after that, I'm going to have, hang out with my family. So I set out like two hours for that. And it might seem meticulous. It might be like, oh, why are you trying to plan every minute of your life? But it really helps you stay on track and know what you're supposed to be doing and setting out time to do everything you want to do. Yeah, I think I should start implementing that because I think all of yesterday I was watching YouTube and TikTok and um, I kind of felt unproductive by the end of the day. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should start 
editing some podcast episodes because I'm a little bit behind. But yeah, I I think that um, blocking out your day works for a lot of people. And it also kind of just gives you an objective of when to start and end things. Uh, what happens when you don't really end a project in your set time frame? Yeah, so that's actually been another big thing that a lot of people have been telling me that they've been failing on. And I 100% agree. Sometimes I completely underestimate how long something takes. But I've learned, unless there's like a severe deadline that's like, it's due that minute, I usually just stop anyway. And I always set out like two or three hours at the end of my day that I can do anything. So it's like, I can go back and I can finish this or I can watch And if I don't have to finish, I can watch TV. And I think setting out that extra gap time where it can really be anything in your day is really convenient because you don't really know what's going to come up. Like something will always come up in the middle of your day. Nothing goes exactly to plan. And just having planned time to adjust for accidents and unforeseen consequences is really good. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, there's always something unexpected that's going to happen. And just leaving that extra buffer space will really help. So yeah. Yeah, I think that ends our podcast today. Do you have anything more to add? No, I'm good. Thank you for having me again. And I'm, I was excited to be here. Yeah, I think this was a very enlightening uh, episode. I hope you guys learned a little bit more on quantum computing. Obviously, there is so much more to learn. As you said, there is a couple algorithms like Shor's algorithm. You guys can read it. If you have any questions, make sure to go connect with Anisha um, on her LinkedIn uh, you can even check out her profile on TKS, and she even has a Twitter account that I'll link below. And finally, you can even look at some of her projects on her website, www.anishamuskie.com. And uh, thanks so much. All right, I'll see you guys next week. And remember to always ask questions and to stay curious.